Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, the best freaking podcast for Pac-12 news, Pac-12 football in the world. This is Brian Conger. I am the host of the Wildcat Radio uh, Arizona podcast, and I am joined by Mr. Rob Bauer, the data science guru behind the beta rank advanced college football statistics. What's going on, Rob? Uh, not much. I'm excited to sit here and talk about the Utes this uh, this season. Dude, I am shot out of a cannon this this episode. So if it seems like I've had ten cups of coffee, it's because I am so excited to have this guest. By the way, this is our um, part four of our twelve part series where we're breaking down every single pod, uh, every single Pac-12 team, position by position. We're going depth charts, advanced statistics. All of this stuff is uh, from our completely uncalled for 2018 Pac-12 football magazine. And and the reason I'm so excited to talk about Utah is because the Utah Man podcast is somebody that we've been in contact with back and forth for like two and a half years, and we've never had him on the freaking podcast. We have Cameron Livingston. What's going on, Cam? Hey, what's up, fellas? Dude, I've, okay, so this this is going to be great because I love I love Utah fans. I love getting into it with Utah fans. And uh, and Cam, I'm I, the Utah podcast has been great because like so you what you guys are doing and what Wildcat Radio has done has kind of been like on parallel lines, just with different teams. Like we both started tinkering with different stuff on format at the same time. I think our listenership is about the same in terms of size. I know you guys have a significantly bigger uh, uh, social media uh, footprint, which is awesome. So. So um, I'm really excited to have you on because you guys do a great job. And if you're a Utah fan, definitely uh, dig them. We'll, we'll kind of plug this a little bit more down the road. But, you know, in, in a couple couple seconds, like what uh, what's going on with you guys? Uh, you know, this past summer, we really broke down all the position groups getting ready for fall camp. And right now we're just gearing up for fall camp and bringing some interviews um, from that. Awesome. So, okay. So I think this will be one of the more interesting parts. If, if everybody's like gone back and forth with what wildcat radio and Utah man have been doing over the years, I, I want to pay homage to the Utah fans and which sounds funny. Cause oftentimes I think I might come across as a troll. Um, and, and that's not really the case. Like, <laughs> I, or, or is it, I have to say joke here, but, or is it the Utah fans come off as troll? Oh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> but Brian, Brian, I got to set you up for those two though. <laughs> yeah. So, so Cam always retweets like my most incendiary comments about utah which is hysterical and i'm glad that you do and i love getting into it with utah fans because um it's one of the best four football fan bases in the pac-12 I, I think the top four would be usc in no particular order usc washington oregon and utah and Utah fans care about basketball too. And as somebody that covers Arizona stuff, like it's fun to have a fan base that cares. Like the Pac-12 needs more of that. And I think the Utah fans are the most vocal because because they are fans. Like they actually do follow the team. And this isn't like UCLA where it's like, oh yeah, there's a football game this Saturday. Let's go to the beach. Like it is a a solid fan base. Um, with that said, <laughs> to talk a little bit about what Rob said, one of the more touchy fan bases in the Pac-12. Not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> and and one thing. I think is the the argument that we hear the most, and I think this uh, th- this will probably be the same for every team that isn't you know like USC or Washington or one of the per, uh, uh, powerhouses in the Pac-12. Is oftentimes Utah fans will say uh, they'll direct it back to Arizona. It's like, well, what has Arizona done? And, and the answer is not a lot. Like we're very aware of this. Just know that when we tweet stuff, we are quite aware that Arizona is not like a powerhouse in Pac-12 football. Um, and I think we have similar programs. Like so, uh, over the last five years utah's record in the pac-12 has been 21 and 24 arizona's has been 20 and 25 like we were one game off from each other and we've arrived at this point in different ways like utah has had a very steady solid coach juco transfers good trench play and arizona's like the way i gamble in poker where i'm either up or i'm down and i have no idea what i'm doing like that seems to be the arizona uh program um so so all that to say what with Utah fans like how do you view your place in the Pac-12 which is well deserved and what are your expectations for this year I I think really when it comes to Utah fans is we want to feel like we have the exact same seat at the table as everyone else you know we don't want it to be this is the Pac-10 and now we come along and it's the Pac-12 but not as great as what the Pac-10 used to be Mm -hmm. so I think that's kind of where a lot of this comes from you talk a lot about how Utah fans react on, on Twitter and social media. I mean, it goes um, it goes beyond just football and basketball. I mean, if you've ever seen gymnastics on Twitter, that can get pretty nasty. <laughs> <laughs> of all things, okay, of all that's... things, talk trash is gymnastics. But I, that's just the fan base here. They 
they love their sports here. We love the Utes here. And I think also, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with trying to rub in the face of BYU that Utah's a P5 and they're an independent. Mm-hmm. And not a good one right now either, which is which I'm sure you're taking full advantage of on Twitter. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about this Utah program here first, and I want to throw it over to Rob. So, um, for people that are listening for the first time on our website Wildcat Radio AZ, Rob is hosting his uh, his model for advanced college football metrics. So, um, it's it's an alternative to the S and P, which you see from Bill Connolly, and the and the numbers he has are quite good, and the, and he can like go into detail offline. Don't do this now, Rob. <laughs> he can go into detail about how he got. <laughs> to those numbers but it really does take into consideration like um any advanced metrics that you see across the board his model is just a little bit different in the way that's put together but the numbers really do reflect um from what we've seen so far with the four guests that we've had on like reality in terms of what we're seeing on the field so uh by the way you can if, if you're a fan of any pac-12 team all of the advanced statistics are in wildcat radio az just check it out there and like i mean we're we're talking a ton of statistics it's, it's quite fun to go search through so uh so rob what did you see from utah in your numbers in 2017 yeah utah was a very interesting team and in that they uh they really came on late um they weren't they weren't great uh in the early season and they had a bit of a mid-season swoon um but that washington game uh which they did lose but they played very well uh and, and in particular for their offense they really uh came on late uh, after that Washington game, um, they ranked 63rd overall in offense last year. Um, they were more efficient at, at drive efficiency, which is just a measure of like your ability to complete drives and stay on the field and get points. Um, they ranked 46 there, which is pretty good. Um, they weren't great at play efficiency. So if you looked at Utah, you know, relative to their opponents and, um, you know, controlling for things like starting field position and things like that, they, they didn't, they weren't great at putting up yards for play. Um, they weren't a terribly explosive offense ranking 70th. Um, but they avoided going three and out very often or going backwards with negative drives. Uh, they played a reasonably tough schedule. Like, I mean, 75th, um, Pac-12 did not have great defenses last year, so don't you don't knock them too much on that. Um, one of the things that sort of stands out is that they were they were fairly balanced offense. Uh, they were ranked about 65th in effective rush and 49th in effective pass. Um, they were not good on third down, and that that really stands out. And they weren't great at putting up points when they got into the red zone. Um, they ranked 92nd in just straight red zone points per attempt. The defense, however, was good. Another solid year for Utah's defense. Uh, they ranked 25th, which was actually tops in the conference. My model actually thought Utah was better than Washington's uh, defense last year. Oh, snap. Uh, yeah. Uh, they were they, they weren't great at drive efficiency, so they, they could give up some long drives. Uh, but what they were very, very good at was they were good at, at explosive drives. They did not. Utah's defense last year did not give up explosive plays. Um, so they ranked ninth in that. And that's a major component of, of my model. Um, and the other thing is negative drives. Utah caused a lot of three and outs. They caused a lot of, uh, you know, backwards, backwards drives where you lost yardage. Um, and they were... They were what they were very good at. They were decent against the run, ranking 56, but they were very good against the pass. And I think that's a combination that speaks to the, the secondary play, but also Utah has has had very, very good pass rush over the years. And uh, it really shows up in their effective pass numbers. Um, they didn't cause a, an enormous number of disruptive plays. Um, what you would think of as, you know, pass breakups, interceptions, fumbles, quarterback sacks, QB hurries, um, ranking 90th in that. Um, and they, they didn't, but they did, they didn't give up a ton of points in the red zone. Um, and they did, they did. However, if you just looked at their straight turnovers over drives, they did cause a lot of turnovers ranking 12th last year uh, on their defense. So all in all, like it's a, it's not a terribly different year than maybe what you normally expect to see from Utah. Like they're in a fairly efficient offense. They don't give up big plays on defense. They don't turn the ball over on offense and they try to cause turnovers on defense. Cam, does that all jive with what you saw on the field? And if you disagree, like definitely let us know. I think it'll be a good conversation, but if not, like we'll give Rob another cake or something. We'll mail to his house. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, you know, I kind of think that's spot on, Um, you know, things going into last year, uh, in the NFL draft, you had eight guys drafted. Yeah, uh, the highest Utah's ever had. I think he had another four or five that signed um, as undrafted free agents. So a lot of rebuilding in that, especially on the O line. 
Uh, I mean, you're really replacing almost every single starter that was on the O-line um, from the year prior in 2016. You're bringing a new offense, a brand new offensive coordinator. And then with the quarterback, I, everyone kind of was thinking Troy Williams was going to get the start because he yeah. started 16, won nine games. Uh, Alabama transfer, Cooper Bateman, um, hometown kid here, transferred for his last year of college football, wanted to be close to home. So a lot of people thought it was a two-man race between Troy Williams and Cooper Bateman. And, you know, just little by little, Huntley's name just kept kind of creeping up, creeping up through camp. And then right before the season started, they named uh, Tyler Huntley as a starter. And I think... Well, maybe he he could have been the, the best quarterback, or at least for the future, if that's what they're planning for. I think it can hurt your offense, um, and I, I think it kind of showed, like in the red zone, um, keeping drives alive, is is that chemistry, I think, was lost in time with having to split you know first-team reps between three guys all through camp. Yeah, and you can see that with there was a lot of tackles for a loss. I think Utah finished 126th in the country, which is general statistics, not in the advanced stats, but in terms of uh, tackles for a loss given up. I think a lot of that probably was quarterback play, and I want to get into that in a moment. Before we go position by position, and we want to do that, wh- can you give us three names uh, that that just Pac-12 fans should look out for, maybe a dark horse? And then when we go through the positions, we'll kind of stop on each one of those players, and we'll kind of get into them a little bit more than maybe the other players. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, it, the three kind of big names um, that stand out, Tyler Huntley, um, starting quarterback, Zach Moss, the starting running back, uh, probably Bradley and I um, mm-hmm. starting um, defensive end, um, and maybe the dark horse, probably be uh, maybe Br- uh, Bronson Boyd, a transfer wide receiver from Texas Tech. Oh, yeah, okay, cool. I wanted to get into that because uh, I think the wide receiver uh, position at Utah is quite interesting. Let's talk about Tyler Huntley here. Um, I, I, I totally agree with you. In our 2017 preview, uh, the, so every year we do a magazine. It's about 130 pages. It goes depth charts and, and all that stuff, and we had projected that uh, Huntley was either second or third. We didn't have have him there and he ended up really making the jump and there was times where he was super dynamic and you go oh snap if, if he gets it together this this uh, Utah team could be quite fun to watch and there was times where he was kind of a head case and he made bad decisions and um, so I have like three questions for you about Huntley first the first the first being um, what what makes him dynamic when you look at him what is it that Utah fans really like because they are quite bullish on him I think the second is there were a lot of um, tackles in the backfield and when you look at his raw numbers uh, i mean huntley is a dual threat quarterback and he averaged i think it was like 3.2 yards a carry i think there's a reason for that probably because uh he was making bad decisions but I, I, i'd like to hear a utah fan's perspective on that rather than myself i watched probably that three or four games last year and then the third is uh the hire of uh troy taylor the eastern washington guy uh can you just highlight how what his difference the difference he's making on this utah team because we think it's a sneaky good hire and how that relates to tyler huntley and maybe let's start with that one because I think that will set the table for everything else. Yeah, so uh, honestly, I think if um, Troy Taylor wasn't hired, Tyler Huntley wouldn't have been the starter last year. Mm. Hands down, it would have been uh, Troy Williams would have would have started his senior year. Uh, let's just say for kicks and giggles that they retained Aaron Roderick as their OC from the year prior. I mean, he he was on record even during the season that he would have gone with Troy Williams oh, no. um, to start the season. <laughs> but by the way, the Troy, like Utah fans always like basically get on uh, Arizona fans because Utah beat Arizona last year. That yes, they did, and when you know Utah won, I understand that. But like that was the worst game in the in, like. Pac-12 last oh, year, like it was like, nobody could hit complete a pass for the, the life of them. Troy Williams is a mess. We had, um, gosh, I've wiped his name out of my memory. Uh, Brandon Dawkins, like it was just such a bad game. But uh, anyway, well, yeah, Arizona continue. had five turnovers in that game. That was bananas. Oh, so bad. And I think that uh, that was the game that knocked Huntley out for a few weeks. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And then I think if he had started the whole game, he would Utah would have won. But um, anyway, continue. I just win. I yeah. I still have a fork in my eye that, that from that game, and it's hard to get out so Dude, the utah arizona games are always kind of a little wacky yeah yeah they're very fun they're fun they're mm-hmm. fun um so uh so uh, uh 
Huntley wouldn't have been the starter without uh, uh, Troy Taylor. Let me kick it over to you, Rob, in terms of that hire, because we were in agreement before um, we started working together on that being just something that was super cool, because Utah oftentimes was like, eat your oatmeal, like wake up at seven, go to bed at six. In terms of their offense, it was just very structured, run the ball, like don't do anything exciting. And then they bring in freaking Troy Taylor. I'm like, oh, this is this is great. I was so excited about it. Why were you so jazzed about it? Well, Eastern Washington really ran some interesting stuff uh, schematically, um, and this year, I mean, that last year, I was excited both for Bo Baldwin going to Cal and Troy Taylor uh, going to Utah. Um, I think they both have something to prove coming into this year because the, they were good. Um, I, I think you could say Cal's offense took a step back. I don't know how much of you got. You can really blame on Baldwin, but um, I think Taylor's got something to prove this year. I mean, his his offense was good last year. He had like um, like was mentioned, they they lost four offensive line starters. Um, that's that's going to be tough to replace i mean usc found that out as well last year mm-hmm. uh but i i think this year he's, he's really got to to show some improvement and, and try to try to find some explosive plays uh and get put up some big yards uh which is something that eastern washington really did well camp can you kind of describe for people that haven't watched utah why the the ute fans are so excited about huntley just the pure athleticism that he has uh, I don't think Utah for for years Utah hasn't been able to get a quarterback that that's athletic as he is that's able to throw on the run that can that can run the ball and it really has the arm that he has it's it's really he's the most complete quarterback that that Utah has had probably since Brian Johnson so you're talking since 2008. Uh, so I think really that's where the excitement comes from. You know, is he a Heisman candidate? No, not by any means. But just the fact that we haven't had a quarterback this talented since you know 2008 going 10 years i think that's where the excitement's really coming from oh absolutely and i'm excited about him too just as a a pac-12 fan to watch him grow in the pac-12 and he should in his second year uh in that system and in addition to that i have a question mm -hmm. are are utah fans because there was some discussion of of tuttle um and they're even being like i mean i think that you know some of it could just be you know people in the media pushing a you know a story to get a story um but I think there's a lot of hype around Tuttle coming in and some feeling that there may even be sort of some quarterback competition coming in because he was there in the spring. I mean, I watched the spring game. Um, you know, are Utah fans, I mean, does Huntley have a short short hook, if you will, on uh, getting pulled? Uh, are people going to have sort of a short um, a short fuse with him this season? <laughs> you know, I, I that's a really good question uh, on a short fuse with him i mean you guys know a fan base the most popular quarterback is the backup quarterback right (laughs) and and with jack tuttle you know being the most you know highly ranked uh recruit that utah has ever had a quarterback he comes in he graduates early and he's got all the tools you want the height the arm um the body type i mean he handles the media like he's been doing it for 20 years not like a kid that should still be in high school Mm -hmm. but then you watch him play and and one play he looks like a division one pac-12 quarterback and the very next play he still looks like he's in high school so i think spring was actually really good for utah fans to to see him and kind of lower that expectation of him coming in and winning the heisman as a freshman (laughs) and great great question rob just keep jumping in when you need to because uh, i think it adds a lot to the podcast jack tuttle by the way number five pro style quarterback in the 2018 class so uh definitely uh like you mentioned cam one of the best recruits i I can remember coming to, to utah um, but in addition to your passing game, you also have an awesome running game. And Zach Moss, we mentioned basically it's we're kind of like a broken record when it comes to these running backs in the Pac-12 because there were so many good ones that like people similar to Zach Moss, Moss and Philip Lindsay and all these really good players were kind of overlooked by even bigger names. But Zach Moss had himself a heck of a year, um, almost 1,200 yards. He averaged five and a half yards per carry and 10 touchdowns. And he was also able to catch passes out of the backfield, almost 30 receptions for about 200. 150 yards um really good guy and and when you look at your um 
when you look at your running back class, I mean, we gave it an A because you have five, I'm sorry, three running backs that all average more than, uh, basically average five yards a carry, which is pretty solid and what you want to see from your top guy and the guys below him. So can you talk about Zach Moss, what makes, it, makes him so special and why he's one of the top people that you mentioned for players, uh, for viewers to look out for? Yeah, Zach Moss is an interesting player. I think you know, last year and, and even his freshman year, the year prior, it, it didn't really seem like it was clicking for him. Um, he, I think he spent a little too much time maybe dancing in the backfield, trying to do things maybe he could do in high school on a juke guys back there, and it just wasn't working. And honestly, it took, I think this year it took three or four games, and all of a sudden, like, a light bulb just clicked on him, and he just started running as fast as he can, as hard as he could, as soon as he had the ball. And I think that's just where it, where he's finding his success is he's hitting those holes as hard as he can. And, I mean, you've seen the highlights. He, he runs over guys. Uh, he, I think he was one of the leaders in the country in broken tackles. I, I think it's just when he can just run downhill, he's good. When he wants to kind of dance around, he's not as good. I mean, I, I, I would – I was super surprised that he stepped up the way that he did uh, th- that last year because I wasn't is sold on him in 2017. And then I was like, oh, snap. Like, he, <laughs> but yet again, we have a really good Utah running back. Uh, Rob, what did you think about the Utah running game this year or last year? I, I thought they were good. Um, I thought they made a lot more hay against bad teams than they did against some of the good offenses than they played. Um, but that's that could be said for a lot of players in the Pac-12. There were not a lot of great defenses last year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I definitely think I, I would say I have, I think the running backs shouldered more of the load than say the offensive line did. I mean, breaking those tackles, some of those tackles he was breaking were sort of in the backfield. Um, I think having a more experienced offensive line returning is going to help significantly. And I think we'll see, um, I think we'll see him maybe even approach 1400 yards, 1500 yards this season. Dang, that would be awesome. If, uh, and I love, I mean the, the pack 12, I, I was on uh, Mark Rogers TV. Who's a, a great partner and somebody that we really like. Um, and he talks about like national, college football i kind of went on to talk about arizona but we went into the pac-12 there's so many good players in the pac-12 and it's really fun to watch them grow and i really hope zach moss is one of those that makes that leap if he gets 1500 yards and averages five yards to carry like that's awesome that's really really a good sign and behind him you got players like armand shane and and uh, uh Devante, uh henry cole so who you know can you kind of talk through a little bit about what those guys bring to the table and if they're, they were able to carry the load like if zach moss have forbid gets hurt or something would they be able to step in in a starting role or are they more kind of backup guys yeah so armand shine actually got injured in spring ball last year um so he missed all of the 2017 season Uh, but up to when he um before he got hurt he and moss were neck and neck for the starting job and and a lot of things that coach whittingham was saying a lot kind of pointed that um armand shine was going to be starting um, to start the season, uh, you know, he goes down. I think it was a broken arm that, that sidelined him for a few weeks. They decided to just to hold him out for the for the rest of the season. Um, but I mean, he's he has a starting potential. Um, I did talk to the running back coach Kyle McDonald during spring ball this year, and you know, he said that um, Shine's ready to go. Uh, the injuries behind him, um, there's nothing holding him back. Um, all through spring ball, he was live. Um, so that's a really, really good sign. Uh, Devonte Henry Cole, that's another guy who, you know, it can be a serviceable backup. I think the the thing that we're hesitant is we just haven't seen a lot of him. Uh, I don't know if if Moss and Shine, if they go, if they both go out, if Henry Cole can kind of step in and feel their shoes. Um, and I think it's just because there's a lot of question marks because he hasn't been asked to do that so far. Is there anybody else that would be good uh, that we should look out for besides those three on our our breakdown? We only listed those three guys, but I know that Utah consistently brings in these guys that come out of nowhere. They're just you know, oh, another thousand yard rusher, whatever. Like this guy's playing rugby in like France, you know, a year ago. <laughs> it just seems like you guys always do that. So anybody we should keep a lookout for? Uh, yeah, there's uh, one more guy. His name's TJ Green. Uh, he's a redshirt freshman. He, he set out last year redshirting. Um, and, and really, I think he he probably can can come in the backfield and, and be the running back that can really get out into space and catch the ball. Um, if you guys remember, Utah had Troy McCormick for the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I really think that maybe TJ Green can step in and kind of fill those shoes, um, you know, kind of be that, that – 
that kind of ace up your hole if you if you need to get you know there's a four yard pass at your at your running back. I think DJ Green can step in and do that. Okay, you got anything else on the receive? Uh, not the receivers, the running backs wrap. <laughs> No, no, but uh, I think we covered it. All right, now, now let's get into the dirt here. Because, <laughs> like, uh, Utah, UCLA, and Oregon, I think, are the programs that bury their wide receivers. And and to be fair, y'all made Darren Carrington look real freaking good last year. So I, that was really encouraging. And I think, you know, we were talking about, like, the E-year O-mail offense. That's kind of just more the run the ball, run the ball, run the ball game manager. And the addition of Troy Taylor as the offensive coordinator, plus you have uh, Huntley at the quarterback. I think r- I would be excited if I were a Utah fan. With that said, the the receivers, so Utah in the last five years, the best passing attack you've had in the Pac-12, just the Pac-12, was seventh. That's the best that they, they've done in, in the last five years. The last ten years, Utah has only had one receiver that's caught more than a thousand yards. So this is not a historically prolific passing offense, but there are some players on the, like if you squint, you can see the, the potential here. And there are some players that can get really, uh, that could be really exciting, but it just seems that every year it's like, Oh, they, they have a decent wide receiving core. And then, you know, like the, the best somebody does is catch for like 700 yards and five touchdowns or something but that might not be the case this year kind of walk us through cam some of these players in the wide receiving core that you're excited about yeah so definitely you know the guys coming back uh Siosi mariner uh damari simpkins and I, I don't know if you guys get this you know watching on the pac 12 network and i know people are getting sick of hearing it here but um huntley moss and simpkins all played high school ball together Oh, I see. I, I haven't watched the network in a while. I turned no. everything on, but like you know, right when football season starts. So. Yeah, you know the you know those fun facts that a lot of commentators will just say game after game after oh. game after game. Yeah, Brock Eisenhower so is seven eight or six foot. Whatever yeah. They say. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, uh, I'm sure you know. I know a lot of Utah fans kind of roll their eyes when they hear it because they hear it so often. But yeah, Huntley Moss and Simpkins um, all graduated together, um, played all three all three years of high school ball together, and came out to Utah. Um, so so we're hoping, you know, that chemistry of them knowing each other for so long and being on the field together will really start playing dividends for the Utes. Um, so, so Mariner Simpkins and uh, Samson Nakua are, are probably your top three wide receivers that are coming back from last year. And you got some good size with Nakua and Mariner. Mariner's 6'2", Nakua's 6'3". Um, uh, with that, well, so Mariner, the one thing with him is he almost averaged 20 yards a catch, which is, which is pretty exciting. And I know those guys are returning, but you bring in a couple intriguing prospects. Uh, Britton Corvey was a Pac-12 uh, All-American freshman and then went on his LDS mission. Do you think he's going to play a role in the offense? I, I think these L, the LDS missions, when people come back, it could be hit or miss. You know, It takes a long time, I would mm-hmm. assume, to get back into game shape unless they're really grinding in between, you know, like going door to door and, and like, you know, and being involved in their communities and all that stuff. So um, is that is that the case uh, with him? Do you think he's going to be a, a legitimate player this year? Yeah, well, I think they're expecting him to be. Um, you know, right now, I, I think Britton Covey's, they expect him to, to play significant minutes at the slot. Um, so, he yes, he did return from his mission um, right as spring ball was kicking off. So he wasn't enrolled in school, so he couldn't participate. Um, but he has been back since about, March. Um, and, you know, the things that he's posting on social media, uh, he's really hit the ground running uh, with his training, with his workout. I know he's he's gotten his own, like, personal trainer type thing. Um, and I'm frankly, what are you going to do if you're not enrolled in school yeah. and you got nothing else to do but work out? <laughs> A fortnight. So, but, yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I, Utah's really going to rely on him uh, you know if you guys remember from two years ago he's just a short little kid you know he's listed as five eight now granted i'm five five so i'm short but i've walked next to him after practice <laughs> and i swear we're the same height <laughs> so it's a lot to ask for a five eight in cleats um kid to come off of uh two years away from football yeah. and expect him to contribute right away but i i think with this receiving core and what he did as a freshman they're banking on him coming in and showing up okay um so bronson boyd uh six foot 187 pounds he was a texas tech transfer four-star guy what was the buzz was he in spring camp he was okay. so he was actually on roster last season oh that's what he redshirted right yeah, yeah. So That's he, right. so he enrolled in Texas Tech and had an incident, was kicked out 
during the summer, uh, late spring, early summer, and enrolled at Utah in August. And so he was on the roster before the season started in 2017. So because of the transfer rules, he did have to sit out. So he registered it last year, but he was able to participate um, with the scout team and, and whatnot in practice. Are you expecting big things out of him or uh, like is the coaching staff high in him? Yeah, and I, I think I mean I think you have to, right? I mean we talk about how this wide receiving core with Utah on paper it, it may be one of the best ones they put together, but I don't think they have a number one guy yet. It, it might be you know Mariner, mm-hmm. it might be Simpkins, but I think a lot of people are hoping that it can be Bronson Boyd, someone with that speed that can really you know stretch the defense, can go over the top, be that number one guy when you and you know it's third and eight and you got to get that first down. I think a lot of people are riding on, on this Bronson Boyd train, uh, and especially because I mean a four star wide receiver doesn't come to Utah very often. Well, and then you have people like Solomon Ennis uh, and Brian Thompson, who were you know top fifty wide receivers that are in the wings. There, it'll be interesting to see if you can put it together. The one thing is like Darren Carrington was awesome, and uh, and Raylan Singleton was a guy that ended up transferring, I think, uh, mm-hmm. last year. Uh, so, yeah, to Houston this uh, this off season. Oh well, we'll yeah. see him there at Arizona probably. But, um, uh, <laughs> no, it, it's just interesting because on paper there is an opportunity for these guys to be good. Um, in the past, the offensive system I just think wasn't set up to allow the receivers to thrive. Where you know if they were in a, a legitimate spread offense, they'd probably get more passes and all this stuff. Like if they were in Mike Leach's system, all these guys probably get six hundred yards even because he's a socialist and distributes the passes to everybody. Um, but it would just be interesting to see what what y'all do with the this wide receiving core. Uh, Rob, you have any questions on the wide receiving front? Uh, no, I just I think that there is probably more like you said more talent than utah's had here in a while um but they really they really have to come up with some big plays i mean this this offense really does need to stretch the field they spend far far too much time letting defenses really only have to guard like 10 yards of field um they really need to find a way to put up some big plays Oh, that's a good point. I mean, like, yeah. and there, there's nothing more frustrating than watching an offense throw like five yards down the field. Every player, like, oh my gosh, can we somebody freaking run fast? So. <laughs> well, and I, I will say that the the Troy Taylor hire is what really has sparked this wide receiving, um, I guess, influx of talent. Yeah, the Bronson Boyd, Solomon Ennis, all that is is because of Troy Taylor. And does he use a tight end? I know that Whittingham didn't, but does Taylor? Last year, the tight ends were hardly ever targeted. Um, They were used a lot more um, and under the previous offensive coordinator. Um, But last year, I think that was one of the really sore um, parts of the the offense is the tight ends and really getting them involved. Boo, boo. (laughs) Okay, so going going to the offensive line here, we have mentioned that Utah had to replace four of its starting offensive linemen last year, and you could tell. And one of the things, in our 2017 preview when we wrote about Utah, we kind of wrote about how Utah was kind of like the apple of offensive lines where they just like, you know, they're just cranking out, like you're just expecting excellence every year, you know, and when something goes wrong you go, oh, snap, like the iphone 2 you know antenna didn't work like with the heck steve and then utah kind of just was so good at cranking out these trench uh, trench guys last year was a little bit uh interesting um again they were 126 nationally in tackles for loss um i thought the run blocking was okay but rob you can probably speak a little bit more to that offensive line before we kick it to uh, cameron yeah they really struggled uh, at times to uh to be able to get push against the defensive line. Um, I know Utah fans were super excited early in the season um, when they played, was it Southern Utah? It was a division. It was an FCS team. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Southern Utah. Yeah. <laughs> you beat the crap out of them. And like, I mean, I everyone, all these, yeah. like <laughs> this is so yeah. exciting. And then they played like Arizona who has like one of the worst defenses in all of college football. And um, I think there was a lot of early season excitement. Then things, there was a bit of a mid season swoon. I felt like the line actually started to find a little, bit of their stride uh, i thought they played reasonably well in that washington game um but it's gonna like yeah I, I think this is this could be a from having time to gel could be a strength of the team this year do you think that's the case because if it is cam i think this utah team can really challenge a lot of uh, a lot of teams in the pac-12 not just the south but the north as well 
I'm hoping it's just a jail problem because honestly, they they were below average last season. Um, hopefully, a whole year together, starting on that line, working as one unit. Uh, hopefully, we see the benefit of that uh, this season with the Utes. But you know, t- time will tell. Um, I know a lot of issues last season, uh, not only with a, not, a lot of new faces, but a lot of injuries and having to move, you know, people around. Um, really having a band-aid offensive line didn't do them any favors. Uh, so, so hopefully, going through kind of those growing pains last year, the Utes will see you know results this year it's kind of like watching the stanford defense not be good you just go i see the name in the front of the jersey but they're giving up a lot of yards it's kind of the same thing with utah you're going like why why are we running so much on these guys like it's utah so that was definitely the case last year um be interesting to see if you can step it up from there so okay so you're paying uh ea sports 2018 ncaa football uh what grade would you give the utah offense in 2018 so for the whole offense um, really with the, with the amount of injuries I think they had to deal with probably a, a B B minus okay all right yeah I, I think uh it, it I guess that's, it's really dependent on, sure. it's dependent on the quarterback right Rob I think that's kind of the 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 jump that they can make yeah I mean it, it, I mean we just talk I mean it depends on a lot on the line I mean the their projection coming into this year is they improve off of last year but they come in at 51 which is still not a necessarily a great power five offense but you're sort of hoping in Taylor's second year that you know there's more upside than downside and I think that's sort of true I'd be I'd be surprised if Utah ended up in the 60s and I would probably be less shocked if they ended up in the 40s okay um, Cam, let's let's go into the defense, but first, I want to give you the opportunity to talk a little bit more about the Utah Man podcast. Where can people find you? I know you're on Twitter. You have a website, which is great. So, what are all of those things? And if you're if somebody's listening to the Pac-12 that happens to be a Utah fan, where can they find you? Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, wherever you can find a podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, um, Spotify, we're all, we're there. Um, just search at Utah Man Podcast. You'll find us uh, at our home at utahmanpodcast.com. And really, we're just three fans um, that, that like to get together. Uh, you know, talk Utah football. We are, you know, very blessed that uh, we work with the university. We are given media credentials. Um, so we do have interviews, um, not only from football, but from basketball as well. Um, so that's a, one special thing I think that kind of stands us out from other uh, Utah um, podcasts out there is, is that we can give you kind of the the front line um, site and give you those those interviews and sound bites from coaches and players. And are you guys going to do weekly, bi-weekly? What's kind of the schedule as we go into football season? Yeah, so football season, um, when season kicks off, it, it's, I mean, we... Uh, we're, we're basically once a week um, recapping the game prior uh, and looking forward um, to the game that, that's up ahead. And I'm one of the things that I'm excited about is you guys are involved in the College Football Podcast Network. So it's it's Utah Man Podcast, Wildcat Radio, 12-Pack Radio, the Free Ballin' Podcast, um, uh, the Damn Podcast, and Shock the World. One of the things that we've been doing is uh, these cross-promotional contests. So the Pac-12 Eliminator Pool, we're going to do that again and obviously open it to you, Utah Man Podcast listeners. Um, we did the bowl pool, uh, which went really well. Um, uh, we ended up doing Pac-12 Bingo, which was quite fun, where uh, you know if you were watching the Pac-12 conference championship i'm sorry the pac-12 tournament in college basketball if you got bingo we gave out free stuff so uh if you're a utah man i'm uh, sorry utah man podcast listener definitely keep a lookout for that and we're, we're excited to keep that going um let's move into the defense this was like rob mentioned an excellent defense uh the one big question mark that i have as i look at this team going into 2018 is the defensive line so you you lose loa lutulele who was just like he he just ate somebody right now i did just saw him <laughs> it was such a monster and such a space eater he was great um and then you also lost uh filippo mocafisi who is like was really really good it, oftentimes we'll have this question right where one player has awesome stats and they just happen to be next to a freak of nature like Lotulele. Um, and the question is always like, well, is it just because they're next to him or are they really talented? Well, Mokafisi was very talented and you lose both of those guys. What What is this defensive line going to look like this year? Yes, so definitely, you know, the bright star on it is Bradley and I. 
Uh, he definitely has all Pac-12 potential, uh, and he, he's really starting to get the hype. If you've seen the the Feel Steel Pac-12 or yeah, the Feel Steel Pac-12 cover for the College Football Review, uh, Bradley and I was on the cover of that. Oh. So he's really starting to get kind of that stardom um, that comes with his play. So that's going to be a guy that I think Pac-12 fans are really going to start hearing a lot more this season. Uh, and he plays on the end uh, in the middle. You know, there's uh, Lucky Fotu. Um, Peter Tonga, you know, maybe not names that that people know um, yet um, outside of Utah. But the, I think the thing with Utah, and you kind of hit it right on the head, Brian, is it, Utah ha- historically has had a very good defensive line. And, you know, one big key to that is Kyle Winningham and the defense he runs uh, and bringing in this season, Gary Anderson, um, former coach of Oregon State. You know, he used to be the defensive coordinator uh, with with Utah um, years ago. Oh, and so he's he's yeah, so he's back um, coaching the D line. Um, and I think that's going to pay huge dividends to have, you know, a coach of his stature. Um, you know, kind of coaching the younger guys on the, on the D line. Okay. I, I just, it's, there's always good players until there's not, I mean, in terms of that high level, right? Like low to late. I mean, those guys were really, really good. Do you think that this defensive line takes a step down? I know we'll get into the linebacking core, which is there's like 18 question marks there, but this defensive line itself, where uh, will they stay the same? Do you think, are they going to be better or are they going to take a step back this year? Uh, and I think you're, I mean, obviously they're going to take a step back. Um, they're, they're replacing some big shoes. Um, they're, they're replacing guys that, you know, made it to the NFL. Uh, and so I think any, I think any team, uh, when you lose that much star power at any position, I, I think every, every team's going to take a little bit of a step back. Rob, when you look at this defensive line, are there players outside of an eye that stand out for you? Uh Tonga, I think uh, watching some of the spring, I, I think he could be a big contributor. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's it's more of a question mark than you're used to seeing with Utah. Yeah, because the secondary is disgusting, and we'll get to them in a, in a bit. Um, but it's just weird because as we go into this season, we look at Utah. The two main like cornerstones of a, a Whittingham team are the offensive and defensive lines, and I think those are the biggest question marks, which is so bizarre. And, and like you know, I think Utah fans, and for the most part, rightly so, will say, "Yeah, but like we're always good at this." And okay, okay, but you know, just saying, like you know, it doesn't look like it right now, but it could definitely get there. So just something to keep a look. At out uh for so let's move to this linebacking core because it's quite interesting there are 13 linebackers as of when we wrote our preview so a couple things may have changed 13 linebackers on the roster only three saw action in 2017 and two of those played in a different position now like granted so we have a player like uh uh chase hansen who was awesome and he is i think linebacker is fairly natural for him he moved to safety but i think he was linebacker at one point but still like I don't know. You got like Cody Barton and then Chase Hansen and a bunch of dudes. Are these dudes like, are they going to be good or what's going on there in that linebacking core? Cause it was, it's been kind of a, not, I don't want to say a mess, but there have been times where they have been disorganized in the last two years. Now, I think that's the million dollar question with this defense is where are the linebackers going to be and are they going to be productive? And, I, and it's interesting because that's one thing that I think that I've harped on and many Utah fans have harped on the last couple of years is, is the linebacking group. And I think consistently there's just been a lot of question marks around it. Um, I, I know they try to really address it in recruiting, but I mean, Chase Hansen had to move over. He was a quarterback originally. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he had to move over to safety because of, of injuries a few years ago. And then they had to move on up to linebacker because of injuries. And he has a lot of health questions himself. I don't, I don't think he's played a complete season yet uh, with, with the youth. So, I mean, w- what you are saying is, is definitely what I think fans and even myself are saying about this Utah team is is where exactly is this linebacking group gonna be at the end of the season if if it gets cohesive utah is a, a contender but man those that, those are seven players right there i could say like five five players where there's all question marks in a in a position oftentimes of strength rob would you be worried about utah if we and well arizona always has this linebacking core except for last year and this year so like <laughs> we know how you feel but uh, i mean would you be worried about uh this core do you think they put it together no i mean uh, i think 
this if Utah is going to have a weakness this year, like last year, I think you're going to be able to run the football on them. I think the defensive line is not going to be as good. They're not going to be as able to keep guys uh, off the linebackers. And I think these guys, none of these guys have size. I mean, this is a small core. Um, and Arizona fans can talk all day about how much trouble you can get in when you start moving safeties down to linebackers. Yeah. Um, you know, these, I, I think. It, and it can have knock-on effects. All of a sudden, your safeties are having to come down and help out, you know, in the run game, and uh, you know you're able, to, you're giving up big plays in the pass game. So, um, this linebacking core is a big concern. There is that; uh, it's not finalized. Was the last one that I saw, but the the BYU transfer um, that may come and be able to come in and play immediately. Um, it would be it would be something Utah fans could be thankful for from BYU, but <laughs> they, the only uh, thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this, yeah, this is a this is a huge concern for this defense. This, I mean, it's, I'd be way less concerned if you were bringing back three starters on the defensive line. But and and what's the word on that BYU transfer? Because Cam, I know you had mentioned him a couple months ago when we were starting to put together this preview. Yeah, so uh, it's Francis Bernard. Uh, he. <laughs> Uh, to, to catch everyone up, uh, he was um, kind of removed out of the out of BYU's program last year. Uh, he's been working on transferring to the U. Uh, last, you know, I, I've been told is, is that he's been at the community college trying to work out the academics part of getting the transfer without having to sit out um, a year. Uh, Coach Winningham was asked about it at Pac-12 Media Days. Uh, he can't really comment about it because Bernard is not an official student uh, yet at the university. All he says is that Francis um, is working, trying to work it out with the NCAA to get transferred. Oh, man. Well, light a candle because <laughs> you might need it. <laughs> but you do have – so Cody Barton is pretty good. Um, you want to talk maybe a little bit about him and what he brings to the team because he's going to be the most experienced linebacker that you have back there. Yeah, I think Cody uh, really took a step forward this past season. Um, I, I think he still struggles um, in, in the passing game. Uh, he can get burned really easily. Um, I think maybe looking too much in the backfield instead of watching his man. Uh, but I think this past season, he, he took big strides in, 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 in stopping the run. And I know Ravi talked about how it wasn't that great last year. Um, but I, I think Cody was one of the bright spots um, in that regards last year. Yeah, Boomer Bust uh, said he would have fit really well in Todd Graham's defense. Uh, would not be able to do the cover cover those passes back there, but uh, hopefully he takes a step forward. Um, let's talk about this secondary. And Rob, let me throw it to you because this is this is a very good unit. It's possibly the best unit in the Pac-12. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I I think you know with with Utah in particular, you can get into sort of like, what's the, you know, is the chicken or the egg? Is it the the fact that the defensive line is getting good pressure and it's not giving the quarterback time? But I think these guys all do an excellent job in coverage. They know what they're doing. They don't give up big plays. Um, it's really something that, you know, they know their assignments and what they're asked to do. Um, they don't try to do too much. Um, and I think they have experience and, and really cover for what they're doing really well. Um, and that's that's something that you can't say about a lot of teams in the conference. Yeah, and you have really good play. I mean, it all starts with Julian Blackman, six one, one eighty seven. This is an NFL style cornerback. Uh, six pass breaks up, breakups, four interceptions. Second team All Pac twelve. Uh, Cam, can you? What makes him so good, and why why is he such a strong li- linebacker? I'm still stuck on this. <laughs> Let's move him up to the line too. See what happens. Uh, well, you never know; he might. <laughs> but what makes him uh, such a good player here for Utah? I, I think it's really his vision. He he sees the field so well. Uh, he can uh, really stay on his man and read the quarterback and the quarterback's eyes. Probably the best of anybody um, on this Utah team. Uh, you know he's a local kid here, and 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 really a bright spot um, on this defense in the secondary, and and I mean he's a fan favorite. And on the other side, you know one of the things that can be a mess is if you have 
a really strong quarterback on one side, that means that the other side gets picked on. That can oftentimes lead to awesome statistics for the guys on the other side. And you saw this um, at USC. You see it at USC all the time. You have a lockdown NFL uh, corner and then the right side, somebody that's like, okay, but they have seven interceptions or something. So you have Jalen Johnson and I think it's Javelin uh, Gid- Gidry. How do you pronounce that guy's Gidry. name? Gidry. Yeah, Gidry. Dude, you, you nailed it. It took me about 20 takes to get his name right. So <laughs> there's a guy on there's a guy on Reddit that gave. By the way, I want to give him a shout out. He gave us a link to every single team's like phonetic. Uh, I think is how you say it, like the how you pronounce every the, single the pronunciation. Yeah, like, oh, I'm terrible. I'm terrible at it. <laughs> so he said. He said, "I want to. Uh, I want you to avoid the Bolo Olamafunmi, <laughs> like uh, the disaster that was the UCLA podcast." So uh, very thankful for that. Uh, <laughs> but those guys have uh, they have experience and significant experience in that secondary, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and for being so young, right? I think they were uh, Johnson and Gidry were both freshmen last year. That's right, a true that. true freshman, um, as a matter of fact, and and they were relied upon to play big minutes and big crunch time moments, um, and, and they delivered. And I think that's why people, at least Utah fans, are so jacked about this secondary. Is there's a lot of young talent there. Oh, absolutely. And then in this, <laughs> your second, your safeties are quite good too. Marquise Blair and Corian Ballard, who, uh, one of them is like a hothead that does target. He has like four target, not four, but he has like two targeting calls. I'm like, all right, freaking chill out back there. But these are hard hitting guys that are quite good. What do you got in those, those two over there? Yeah. Blair and, and Ballard really came out of nowhere. Um, I, I don't, so far as Utah fans, I don't think, uh, going into to 17, People weren't expecting them um, to shine as well as they did, and, and yeah, it's Marquise Blair that that needs to hold up a little bit and, and not get so many targeting calls. Yeah, like, dude, just like freaking, like watch the head, man. Like just chill out. But he is he is quite good. Um, Rob, with these two safeties back there, are you a big fan of them? Yeah, and I think they do do a, a, quite a good job of coming up. You know, when they do have to come up and run support, um, they're not. They don't. They haven't traditionally been asked to do that, but they're heavy hitters and they can cover too. And that's that's critical when facing so many spread offenses in the Pac-12. And they have the size also. I think there's only one yeah. of the five players we mentioned is is under six feet tall. You know, they're all listed. I'm sure they're all like five eleven or something. But like you know, that, that means that the five eight guys are really five five, like we were talking about, Cam. <laughs> so there is legitimate size in this secondary. It's just a, it's one of the better ones in the Pac-12. Rob, where where do your numbers project? Um, Utah. I don't know if you have these on you right now, but Utah's offense, defense, and overall in 2018. So oh, their defense comes in, oddly enough, they come in right where we had them last year at 25. Um, defense is a little more based on recruiting um, than uh, than returning production. Uh, it's more correlated with that. So Utah's recruited fairly well on defense, and um, based on how they performed in the past, you know, the model really expects them to sort of hold steady that 25 spot. I would expect they might there might be some downside depending on how the linebackers and the defensive line play versus that. Uh, on offense, uh, 51, again, I think there's probably a little more upside than that uh, versus the model um, if the offensive line really gels and people put it together in Taylor's system in the second year. Uh, Utah comes in at, at 36, actually, um, which is a, a pretty high. They're one of the more highly projected Pac-12 teams. It's just um, such a brutal schedule, right? Yes, that's the like you. Know, I follow that with like Utah could be awesome in advanced stats this year, which would be weird because Utah fans mostly hate advanced statistics from my experience. <laughs> um, but they Utah could be far better in advanced statistics than schedule. I think Utah fans hate it because like when they have like really big years, like when they win like ten games or something, they don't look amazing in advanced statistics for some reason. But I think this this year they could actually look better in the advanced stats than their record. Mm. Uh, all right, Kim. So you're playing EA Sports uh, 2018 college football. What grade would you give the Utah defense this year? Uh, the defense, I think, is a B. I, I, on, honestly, I, I kind of think that with the, with the D line and the linebackers, it kind of brings that down. Um, but with, with the secondary, I think it kind of lifts that up to a solid B. Okay. And, uh, and Whittingham has burned a unicorn or something when it comes to bringing <laughs> bringing awesome special teams players into Utah. I don't know what, what blood magic he works with, but you guys always happen to have an awesome special teams. You want to talk a little bit about them because they're going to be quite good this year as well. Yeah, I mean, that's really how 
Whittingham wins games, right? Defense and special yeah. teams. Uh, yeah, you talk about the the advanced stats, and then we don't Utah fans don't really like it because it doesn't really play into their favor. And that, I think that's just the way because Whittingham likes to coach. Uh, I think that's why the Troy Taylor hire was just was kind of out there for, for Whittingham. Mm-hmm. Um, but g- getting back to special teams, yeah. Uh, I don't know what what's going on. If yeah, if he sacrificed a unicorn like you said or what, but uh, Matt Gay came out of nowhere. Um, he actually tried to go to BYU and they they told him no, and so he came on and walked on at Utah um, and got the starting role um, during the first game. And then Mitch Wisnowski uh, is just a phenomenal punter out of Australia. Um, I kind of think that's where Utah has been going the last couple of years uh, for their punting is really hitting the Australian pipeline. Yeah, it's been quite good. I mean, the rugby style kicking and all that stuff. So, um, so it'll be interesting because, you know, I think I, I got to go back and look at the odds, but they are roundabouts. Utah being a four to one or five to one um, favorite to win the Pac-12 South. Obviously, USC being the, the top favorite. I think Arizona's four to one, and then Utah's in between that. Do you think they have a, a chance? I mean, Utah's down. Their quarterback uh, could be a mess. Their running back may not be healthy. Um, so there certainly is an opening in the South. What what odds would you give Utah um, if you were setting the line in Las Vegas? That's a really hard one. I kind of have to echo with what both of you have saying with the schedule. It just doesn't doesn't do Utah any favors this year. You know they're they're playing all the tough teams in the North: Washington, Oregon, Stanford, Washington State. You know they don't get to play you know the Cal and the Oregon State. No offense to those programs, but you look at a team like USC and USC doesn't play Washington or Oregon this year uh you know it's 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 the luck of the draw that's just what happens in a conference uh, where you rotate opponents i think i'm right there with 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 what you were saying i think the favorite's got to be usc and maybe utah is, is right below that um i will say though that the utah fans do feel like if they're going to win the south this is the year they they have to do it uh usc you know breaking in a lot of new players uh, the rest of the south it may be a little down uh, a lot of people feel that this is probably the best chance utah's going to get for another couple of years uh so they better take advantage of it and the one thing to mention with oh man i, I, yeah. like, I mean i like you guys next year like <laughs> you guys are, are going to be returning a decent amount of talent and you guys are going to rotate washington and stanford off the schedule um i mean sure like you just got to beat usc then right it seems like because i don't know like i this is if you guys make it to this your schedule is a meat grinder compared to Arizona's. Well, the yeah, one, I, the one thing to mention with their schedule, Rob, is that the, the big games they have are at home this year. I think you have USC, Stanford and Washington at home. I might be mixing one of those up with Oregon. Uh, so yeah, so at home it's Washington, uh, Oregon and USC are, are in Salt Lake. That's what it is. Oh yeah. Then you go to Palo Alto, which is a ghost town. Um, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there might, there'll probably be more Utah fans than, than Stanford fans up there. So, <laughs> but Bryce Salt- Love does not care who's in the stands. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but Utah does have a good home field advantage. You have the altitude. It's a good crowd. I've been to one of those games. It's very fun. We had a great time, and the fans are quite loud. It's funny how small the stadium is, right? It was in like forty five thousand or something. Yeah, it's it's forty five thousand right now. I, I there are plans on ex- on expansion i hope Maybe not like another like another ten thousand. nah keep it at 45 because that's a loud forty five thousand. like it was as loud it, it, as i've ever heard yeah I, I think if you remember though and if others have seen it kind of that south end zone um it, it, it's kind of broken up between the sections uh so they're going to kind of fill those gaps in uh make it a little bit more louder uh and and really those those locker rooms in the in the stadium are not Pac-12 standard at all. I mean, there's high schools that have better locker rooms, um, and so to, to help recruiting, they really need to need to fix that. Yeah, come on, John Hudson, get on that. You know, like to kick over some cash. <laughs> all right. So one one more thing to mention too is that uh, we have posted the intro the quarterback and the running back uh, previews for Utah on our website, Wildcat Radio AZ. Um, if you click on that, you can read it. The, the 
this is basically an ep- excerpt from our completely uncalled for 2018 Pac-12 football preview. It's on sale. It's 4.99. It supports uh, uh, the Wildcat Radio podcast, but it's also quite good. And it features Rob's numbers. We checked a lot of our previews with folks like Cam and some of the guys at Freeball and Podcast and Alicia Deartola De and. Um, after after the fact with her but it was good but we were right so that, that was kind of good uh but we do try to make sure that this stuff is correct so check it out it's totally worth it as the season for, uh, comes along um cam dude thank you so much for coming on it's it, i'm so glad that we've been able to have you we'll definitely have to do this when uh when arizona plays utah but um as the 12 pack radio podcast keeps rolling we definitely want to keep rotating in good guests so thank you so much for your time we appreciate it no guys thanks for having me yeah, Rob, thanks thanks for coming on, man. And um, I keep saying that Colorado's our next one. It, it might be kind of like the Matt Damon joke with uh, Jimmy Kimmel where they keep bumping Matt Damon. Like, how, how many times am I going to have to prep for Colorado, Brian? Like, come on. Like, <laughs> the question is how many times do you want to prep for yeah, Colorado? I, I, watched, I watched their spring game. That was enough for me. I'm like, oh, it's Steven Montez and a bunch of dudes. Sorry. That, I think I did the Colorado preview. Like, yeah, there you go. We'll post that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, tune in. I'm not sure who we're going to do next week but we are going weekly we're making sure we're doing all these previews and as we get up to the season we will likely do two uh two a week if we're getting up to crunch time so just know that we will get to your team um and and i have a couple guests in our back pocket that we're pretty excited to roll out so thanks for listening and uh, we will catch you next week